Hour of Devastation is a fan-supported, listener-supported podcast, supported by people just like you. If you like what you hear and want to show your support, head over to patreon.com slash hour of devastation. A pledge to start from as little as one dollar. Thanks. Welcome to Hour of Devastation, a weekly Magic the Cavern podcast where we talk all things Magic the Cavern. I'm your host, Joe Loudon, and with me as always is Sam Neil. Hiya. How are you doing this week, Sam? I'm pretty good. Good, good. I'm officially in charge of the podcast. Yeah, we've, <laughs> figured we, we'd give you a go at recording and editing, so uh, apologies in advance if it if it sounds terrible. Uh, yeah, I mean, I love how I messaged you, being like, oh, can I try recording and editing the podcast? And you're like, yeah. And then as soon as we tried to record this episode, I was like, Joe, what am I doing? And you had to like <laughs> yeah. walk me, like holding my hand, doing everything. Um, so yeah, if it does sound terrible, I apologise. But it should be fine. Like, it's, it's definitely recording. I'm, I'm currently watching this podcast being recorded. And if the worst comes to the worst, I just won't edit it and just put it up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's only taken us an hour to get to this point of setting everything <laughs> up, right? Hey, some of it, we just we were just having some conversations. It was interspersed. It wasn't just an hour of you showing me how to hit the record button. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is something that I would definitely do. And yeah. I have to be told. Like, I just, I just struggled, like, saving a file to my computer. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm terrible at this. Um... Other than that, <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not bad. Good, good. Yeah, uh, haven't played that much Magic this week. Um, I played some Legacy. Nice. And I went three one. It's pretty good. It's not bad. That's ba- like, like literally about it. I like I <laughs> I tried to open an arena draft. Um, so I've got I've got a new computer. Um, and that wasn't just meant to be a brag. But like I'm trying to start streaming essentially. Yeah. So I was like testing it all out, and then like I was like, okay, so so I have to obviously format everything on uh, OBS for Arena and everything like that, and insert all the correct stuff. So I had Arena open, and I was like, okay, I might as well try and do a draft. And I saw that um, Omniscience draft for M20 was yeah was there. Um, what I didn't see was that it was Omniscience draft starts in like 17 hours or whatever. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's a shame. I guess I'll just load a regular draft and just do a draft because I haven't drafted M20 that much, and I'll be fine. Um, and then I drafted the first few picks and got like uh, Mulanling, Mulanling. Oh, nice. And then some of the decent blue and white cards, and I got to about pick five. And then I had to go and do something else, and then I came back to Arena. And then for some reason, my brain thought I was in an omniscience draft. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I started drafting like I was in an omniscience draft where I don't have to pay mana cost for spells and I just want to can chip through my deck and make big things. Mm. So my draft very quickly fell apart. Um, and I just had to just drop from the draft and just waste the gems I just spent. Um, because I just drafted like green five fives and black things and like defiant strikes because they can tripped and befuddles because yeah. they can tripped and it was just an absolute mess of a deck. But I opened an Omnath and a Sorin. Sweet. That's all right. That's 650 gems well spent. That's pretty good, pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it would have been nice if I could play some games, but there's no way I was playing any games with that deck because it was just five yeah. color. Five color, average CMC, six, trash. How was your week been? It's been all right, yeah. I haven't played much Magic at all myself, um, but I've been I've been watching a lot of magic content i guess and consuming a lot of content um mm. be that videos articles uh just sick tweets um yeah it, i think it's been a pretty good week for, for for magic twitter in general really um yeah the stoneforge mystic unbanning is it's kind of sent everybody off in like a brewing frenzy and i just love it I absolutely love it i've seen some like you say it's been a good week for magic twitter We're following an incredibly bad week for magic twitter yeah it's nice when yeah. people just talk about the cards <laughs> <laughs> not all of this other nonsense we have to contend with absolutely yeah. but uh, i've seen some like fantastic just brews and 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 just sort of like decks you sort of expect uh since the the bannings and unbannings in in modern especially uh like dredge is still very much alive button up five nils just replaced fatal sleeping with tome scour it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty good yeah I, I think they probably should have been playing some number of that card before yeah like it's just pretty good yeah, I feel like it's. It might even have just been like the bridge from below thing again. Like, oh, we've we've banned we've banned the easy thing, so now you've got to think about what to what to play, and oh, suddenly now you've got like this actual hyper efficient version of the deck. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing with Favors Looting is it was able, you're able to choose to put dredges in your yard, yeah. and then also later copies of Favors Looting, you can replace the draws with dredges. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's not it's not worse than Tome Scour. I don't, I don't think Tome Scour's better because it just puts more cards in your graveyard because you don't get to choose them and you don't get to use it to dredge stuff. Yeah. But it seems like the deck's doing fine <laughs> just with Tome yeah, Scour. Yeah, absolutely. I've seen, I've seen a, couple, a couple of different builds put up 5-0 results mm-hmm. on uh, Magic Online Leagues, so... I think it's good. I think I think I think Dredge is still fine. Uh, I've seen all sorts of like Urza configurations trying to use um, Stoneforge Mystic, and uh, I don't know. I'm I'm not convinced it's the best home for it yet, but I'm definitely seeing some some interesting deck lists. Yeah, are you suggesting that my hot go reaction take from last week was possibly incorrect? Uh, I mean, quite possibly. <laughs> that, that <laughs> I mean, it, it kind of depends what your what your take is, really. Like. My take is I think, to I, think my, I, I don't know. I, I I feel like from what I've seen, mine my take of like Stoneforge Mystic is fine. Seems to still just just be be like pretty accurate. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it it's not it hasn't been like like dominating magic online. Uh but it it's it's not particularly bad at all. Uh, no, like passing through the the latest five O decklist dump has been interesting and fun. Yeah, yeah, it's just I think it was someone did the the maths and it's th- a third of all the decklists posted in the five O thing were playing Stoneforge Mystic. Yeah, and I don't think that's um, an assessment of how good the card is or where the format's going to go. I think it's just an assessment of I want to play with Stoneforge Mystic. I'm going to see how it does. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly the same thing happened with Jason Mind Sculptor when it was unbanned mm-hmm. uh, last year as well. Like you, you saw just all of these like odd decks just trying to cram in Jace wherever they could. Yep. Yeah, I, yeah I, I don't. I obviously that's that's not right. But if they're putting up results, they're putting up results. I don't think they'll be putting up results for for too much longer. But yeah, I think it's really interesting to see how this this format is is shifting, and it's been really cool to see. Yeah, it's been really sweet. There's been a lot of uh, interesting stuff. There doesn't seem to be one definitive strategy that wants to play the card, which is nice. Yeah. And it's nice not to have to see Hogak everywhere. It's really nice <laughs> not to have to see Hogak everywhere, or like Fatal Sluting everywhere. And yeah. Yeah. It's nice not having to see Leyland of the Void everywhere as well. That's the big one. You can actually like you can actually play a sideboard now. Yeah, that's the thing. I think Dredge is going to be good when people stop... Like now that people have cut down on their amount of graveyard hate and graveyard interaction, yeah, I think Dredge is going to put up some results. While because people, you know, Hogat gets banned and Favorzoon gets banned, and people are like, oh, okay, we well, can just take these ley lines out of my sideboard and I can, you know, play only a couple of pieces of graveyard interaction or whatever. Yeah, um, which I think is probably incorrect still, which means that like Dredge will keep putting up results while people are unprepared for it. Yeah, but Dredge is very much the kind of deck where it's like if you want to beat it, you can beat it, and it's fine. It's so like the whole Affinity thing. It's just that when Affinity was really good, when people stopped putting Stone Dissonance in their, in their sideboards, and then as soon as people started putting Stone Dissonance in their sideboards again, Affinity was terrible. Yeah. Um, which is a fine place for a deck to be, because it's like really, really good and really powerful until you just put a sideboard card in your deck, if you're preparing for the meta, and that's fine. But it has been particularly nice to see people brewing again. Yeah, agreed. Like, rather than just seeing the same metagame snapshot every week, we just like, you know, because we always have people posting the five-colored Mizzet deck, stuff like that, like someone would do well with like a Ponza variant and they'd be like a Titan Shift deck or whatever. Yeah. But it's generally the same decks week in, week out that you just see from every event. Um so it's nice to see just like a, a whole host of just absolute nonsense people are trying out. Yeah, agreed. Which is really cool. Um it's been really fun. Oh yeah, I, I pretty pretty much everything I said last week was just wrong. I think Goblin Engineer is better than Stoneforge Mystic in the Wurza deck. I'm I'm still not sure. I really don't know. Um I think they 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 both have the positives and negatives, and I don't know. I really don't know which one is is better. And here's the fact that you can that Goblin Engineer can shoot anything. Yeah, it can, I can, you can get anything, and, and it does. It puts stuff in the graveyard, which is which is where you want it, and also brings something from the graveyard to the battlefield. Um, that's I mean that, that's the key. The key difference specifically in that strategy is is that the Goblin puts the the sword in the graveyard, which is where it wants to be. Mm-hmm. Stoneforge Mystic doesn't, so it puts it in your hand. But Stoneforge Mystic allows you to play like a whole range of other threats. Like you, you can you can play other you can play other swords, like you can play Feast of Famine, you can play a Batter Skull, like you have more, more sideboard options as well. So I don't know. Like I've I've seen a very interesting um kind of blue white 
list starts playing like Teferi as well. So it's it seems to be going a couple of different ways. Yeah, I agree. Very interesting. Um, we'll just see, see how it goes. And I'm actually kind of excited to play modern FNM. Yeah. Which is something I didn't think I'd ever be saying again. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, 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 I actually want to play the format and see what it does. Yeah. And that doesn't mean just because of Stoneforge Mystic, it just means the format feels a lot a lot safer, a lot more fair now, sort of more grindy. Yeah, agreed. Which means I can play the kind of strategies that I want, and I'm yeah. going to play some Bloodbraid Elves. Nice. Which seems pretty good, and cascade that into, like, a Night of the Reliquary. I mean, it's very much on brand for me. <laughs> I'm just going <laughs> to basically gonna take my Legacy deck, take out the Jewel Lands, put in some Shark Lands, and go from there. Yeah, it seems like your kind of thing. So yeah, I, I'm quite excited just to give modern a go again it's been quite a while since i've had any interest in playing it but mm-hmm. it's something that i do definitely want to want to jump right into so we're not talking modern this week no because we seem to be talking modern every week so yeah <laughs> if you're ready should we move on to our main topic of legacy i think so let's go for it so i made these notes last week <laughs> yeah and then all the stuff happened so I can't quite remember all of the all of the stuff. Every every single thing of stuff, like literally, more couldn't have happened. Yeah, I mean, it could, it could have done, but it just uh, it was an absurd amount of stuff. So yeah. I mean, obviously, notes. So I'm not quite familiar with them. So, <laughs> but I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm sure it'll be fine. They seem like fairly comprehensive notes. Past me was quite clever. So why do we want to talk about legacy? Uh, legacy is, I think it's currently my favorite format. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I think it is currently just the best format. Yes, I think I would agree. I think it, it seems like the healthiest format. Yeah, de- definitely. I think so, currently. So, and that's the thing, I, I always try and encourage people to play Legacy, um, especially if people are like, oh, well, this this isn't probably probably isn't so true anymore with the BNR update. People are like frustrated with modern, or they want to play a more powerful format, or they want to play a more interactive format, or something like that. I recommend Legacy, and then there's always the sort of, well, you know, it's expensive, and I can't afford Jewel Lands, or I can't afford Force of Wills, or stuff like this. Which is a very real concern and a very real problem, and something that I mean, it's it's gatekeeping for the format, right? Like, it's it's a reason I didn't play Legacy for so long, is that I really yeah, wanted to? Um, but you can't, and then people don't play the format, and then they sort of get this impression of like what Legacy is like without actually having played it. Yeah, and there's a lot of misconceptions about the format that it's like a degenerate turn one format where you just lose or like you can't do anything because everyone always has Force of Will and stuff like that, which is just, just isn't true. And it's grindy, it's interactive. Like I played F and M and. I played a lot of very good games with a lot of interaction, a lot of play, even against combo decks. And there's certainly ways into the format. There's certainly yeah. ways to um, get into the format without spending a lot of money, without having to invest in reserveless cards, like some substitutions you can sort of make, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. It is, it's something that I have been working on myself. Um, I do have a list of, of quite a few um, legacy decks that are competitive. Um, most of them sort of top tier or budget friendly versions of, of top tier decks that are still you know competitive and put up a fight um mm-hmm. i do have a list of those that I, i'm gonna do something with at some point whether we do sort of like mini sort of 10 minute podcast episodes on like you know sort of not quite deep dives but like a quick go overs of like individual decks um or if i do some sort of article series that's that's something i'm definitely going to do because yeah I, I think i think that's that's the, the thing that i see the most when legacy comes up it's people just talk about the the barrier to entry which is absolutely real but i i think anything that we can do to to help people enter the format is is always a good thing yeah absolutely i mean maybe we could like rattle off a list of those um at the end of a section of the podcast yeah for sure just give it a little rundown and then if um people are more interested in those kind of things and and how they can get into them maybe they can refer to an article that is yet to be written yeah. <laughs> Sweet. So I wanted to kind of give an overview of the metagame currently. What's currently being played, what's popular, what's powerful. And as I was doing this, I was surprised by just how many playable decks there were. Just the sheer volume of like differing strategies. Because this is always our criticism of Modern, and I'm sure we've probably said this, I've probably said this exact thing for the last five episodes in a row. But Modern was just much like, it was all decks that looked very different, but basically did the same thing, right? They all tried to win as soon as possible and not care about what your opponent did. And they're all flavors of that deck. And then there was also Jund and Blue World Control. Yeah, and yeah. that was basically it. So currently, I think I have listed roughly 30 different strategies that are distinct in some kind of way. Nice. So I'm going to run through them all right now in a big list. Right? And I'm hoping it's going to make for good content. Let's find out. <laughs> it's good content, right? If I just list off a bunch of decks. I mean, what I would describe as currently the probably the best deck in the format is Forkler Delva. Yeah. Uh, so everything but white. You've got Forkler Delva. Uh, Hogak Depths, which is a new deck. Uh, Ant, so Admirals and Tendrils. 
Reanimator, Monorail Prison, Show and Tell, Miracles, Blue White Stoneblade, Bomberman, Death and Taxes, Maverick, Merfolk, Goblins, Elves, Lands, Jund, Grixis, or Four Color Control, Infect, Four Color Loam, White Green Depths, uh, Tima, or Blue Red Delver, Dredge, Eldrazi, Nickfit, Burn, Humans, Painter, then it's like Oops or Spells. Like, and all of those have fairly unique identities like they're fairly individual decks i mean there's crossover between the delver decks and stuff but even the delver decks like the delver decks with black play very differently to the delver decks without black um the blue red delver deck plays very differently to the team of delver deck like it's all very similar it's like ideally play a turn one delver then kill your opponent very quickly with um removal spells and permission to back it up yeah but they still play very differently in terms of how they interact with the opponent rather than like their primary because you have your, your primary game plan right it's like i want to kill my opponent with a delver of secrets yeah, yeah or rather an insectile operation but the way you go about that could be very different like whether that's um with dreadhold arcanist or whether that's with young pyromancer or you're going to trune and nemesis or you can play it in a blue white stone blade deck and you can play delver blade and play it with stoneforge mystic so it's all that kind of stuff and i think the thing i was so drawn to about legacy is that there's something for everyone it's yeah. a strategy that fits everyone's not like the player psychographics like Timmy and whatever but everyone's sort of playstyle because everyone has a, a type of deck that they enjoy playing or, or, or like the strategy that they feel most at home with you know yeah so I know that I don't like playing linear combo decks whereas you love playing linear combo decks yeah um, and you hate you literally hate creatures <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't hate creatures I just I just only play them if I have to. I mean, it's 100% your least favourite. It's your least favourite card type. Probably, yeah. I mean... Enchantment might be lower, but... I'd have to think about it, because there are some enchantments that I do definitely like. Sure. But I mean, like, yeah, you definitely like instants and sorceries more. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Planeswalkers? Uh, better, definitely better than creatures, yeah. Give me a, give me a Teferi any day. Yeah, lands are the best card type. Uh, Second best card type. What's the best card type? artifacts oh sure 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 sure. because they're basically lands yeah they're basically lands but then like they also you get rewarded for doing things with them sometimes yes yeah uh, uh, yeah artifacts are the best type so whereas i just love creature decks and i think that's the most fun way for me personally to play magic yeah and the fact that you can just do that and if you want to just do play a deck that can only win on turn one or lose on turn one and that's all that happens then sure that's that's there's a strategy there for you if you want to play a graveyard deck that exists if you want to play an artifact deck that exists if you want to play any strategy possible, like I'd, I'd find it hard pressed for anyone listening to not find something that they had some kind of affinity with from that list of like just ran down. Yeah, absolutely. That's essentially what's being played at the moment. But this is the thing: whenever you look at the five O lists, or whether you look at any kind of results from any tournaments going on, whether that be GPs or anything else, there's always something different, and there's always something that comes out of the woodwork. And like Bomberman is a deck that was playable quite a while ago. Yeah, and then with the addition of Walking Ballista, was seeing a little bit of traction, and then with the addition of the, like the Khan Great Creator package, was just it, it made it a lot better, and it's like winning tournaments again. And the meta game is just evolving; it's it's very much a format's police by itself most of the time. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like like very rarely do wizards need to step in and ban cards and unban cards. And I think in the cases the cases where there's it's always when there's a clear problem um, or like a clear problematic card, like most recently, like. Deathrite Shaman was was a real real big issue. Like it has been in like every format it's been legal in. And the other one was Gataxian Probe. And like I mean, we know we know what the score with Phyrexian Mana is. Yeah, it's not good. We're <laughs> <laughs> just like it's too good. Just one mana spells just generally tends to be quite quite good. Yeah. So yeah, it's generally the thing. So like, there's been a lot of thing with the, at the moment with Renin Six. Being like, oh, Renin Six is the second coming of Deathrite Shaman. It's too good for the format. It's it's too powerful. It's ruining everything. I mean, it was kind of true for a time, just everyone was playing Renin 6. And you were just trying to find places to put Renin 6 because it was that powerful, and you had your blue-white Miracles deck splashing Renin 6. Yeah. Which is absurd. It's like a blue-white control deck that wants to efficiently cantrip and set up their draw and then have permission for their opponent's stuff and then win the game all at once was just playing this, like, grindy red-green card. Yeah. I mean, it's not it's not so much stock now, but it's definitely a thing you can still do because once you land a turn to Renin 6, like, your mana fixing is just absurd. This is... It's still early days for Renin 6 and in terms of its existence in Legacy. Yep. And there's definitely ways to work around it. There's ways to beat it. It's kind of annoying that it sort of invalidates X1s. I think that's the most... I think that's the worst thing about Renin 6. Not that it would be potentially ubiquitous in the format because it's functions similarly to a death Shaman in terms of the fact that it fixes your draws and then does other stuff fixes your mana sorry and then does other stuff it's the fact that it just like kills x1s yeah and x1s become not unplayable but a lot harder to play because if you go like if your opponent's on the play and you go turn one like delver of secrets or mother of runes or noble hierarch or something like that and they just go run in six killer 
like that feels really bad yeah for sure but but even then like i think i think it's fine i think like especially in like the terms of like delve or like young pyromancer or something like these are cards that need to be dealt with like sort of asap and as efficiently as possible and, and ren six does that very nicely um but you also have plenty of cards in the format that deal with ren six nicely too yeah, absolutely. I mean, just attacking it is <laughs> also yeah. a thing you can do if they leave it exposed. It's not an impossible card to beat. Like, it can sit there and, like, accrue value, but you got to think, like, most of the time, what it's doing isn't committing to the board. It's just sort of ticking up and creating a certain level of card advantage. Yeah. Which is which is a fine thing for a two-mana card to do. And I don't, I don't think it's any kind of problem at GP Birmingham in the side events. Like, I played nine rounds. I played against seven different decks, like, different distinct archetypes, and I, yeah. I didn't see a single Ren and Six. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw quite a few, but even then, that was in different archetypes. I, again, I played, like, uh, I played, yeah, I played 15 rounds of Legacy over the weekend and played against uh, 13 different decks. Saw so maybe, like, maybe six copies of Ren and Six. And there's, there's certainly a thing, like, Ren and Six is an expensive card. It's currently, uh, I think, $100 on SCG. Which I, I still think is a buy, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, like, probably. I, I 100%. I think it's I think it's Tarmogoyf in 2014. That's what it is. It's a $200 card. And it's, like, I think it's, like, the lowest is, like, 80 euros on card market. Yeah. So there's always that thing of, like, you know, people can't access the cards, and we're seeing a similar thing with Stoneforge, but currently in modern. People want to play the card, but can't afford it. Because I know I'd want to play four in modern, but I only own two, and I can't justify dropping 80 quid on another two. Well, it'd be probably be about, you know, 120 quid if I wanted to get the Japanese copies, obviously. Because <laughs> <laughs> I refuse to play with English cards at this point, apparently. Even in, in EDH decks, like honestly, like, the last few cards I've picked up for EDH decks, even brand new EDH decks, have just been Japanese. Which isn't a great choice for EDH, where it's meant to be like the accessible new player format, where people want to know what the cards do. And you're playing a load of cards that people have never seen before because they're not playable in constructed formats. Or yeah. like they're old cards, and <laughs> I play a Japanese copy, and every turn someone has to go, what does that do again? I feel like that it's just wrong in every in every format, but you know, I don't want to don't want to yum, yum, yuck your yum. <laughs> That's what you live for. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, this is the thing. So with Legacy is... it's There's never sort of one deck that's dominating everything. Not currently, no. Usually... I mean, even when there was, like, there were other strategies that were still very much viable. So when, back when Checkpile was the best deck. Yeah. Or wildly accepted as the best deck, there was still, that was, I think that was more of a, that was less of an example of this, but it was still true. You could still play whatever and still do okay. Yeah, to a certain extent you could, but I think, uh, like, a lot of the times just, like, a turn two Leovold, like, whoever resolved their turn two Leovold first was was, going to win that game, sort of regardless. Um, to be fair, I'm surprised there isn't some kind of label deck that's actually seeing that much play. Like the four color decks that are playing. Yeah, the the four color snow deck that I played against a, a Birmingham was was really really cool, and that was playing a Leovold main board. Like, why why stretch your mana for Leovold when you can just play Narsad? And also, oh, I guess Leovold pitches to force as well, right? Yeah, they both pitch to force. It's fine. Yeah, that's that's always been my favorite justification for like really crappy legacy cards. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like you know. Lol, Stormcrow, but there is <laughs> yeah. there is some weight to that. Like there actually is some weight to it. Yeah, it's like my friend was like uh, building up Blue White Miracles, and was like, "Oh, can I play a Teferi Hero of Dominaria?" Absolutely. And I was like, yeah, "That seems okay." Like I think it genuinely is just worse than a Jason Mind Sculptor. And he was like, "Yeah, but worse comes to worse, you just pitch to force." <laughs> like that's yeah. such a good justification for putting terrible cards in your in your legacy deck. Oh, it's blue. It pitches to force. It's fine. <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. Like because I think currently the best deck is probably the Falcon Delver deck. Yeah, I think so. Because I think the it's just the diversity of threats and like the ability to play all the most powerful cards. Like, so, yeah. you, so you get to have your delve, your like traditional delver games where you just play a turn one delver, protect it, and then you win. And your opponent doesn't do anything because you're playing days and wasteland and stuff. And then you get to like accrue value with Renin Six. Yeah. And then you get to play Dreadhorde Arcanist, which is honestly one of the most terrifying cards in the format. Yeah, I think it's it's especially good in that that deck as well when you are playing so many like one mana good cards yeah absolutely um just being able to cast a brainstorm for free or a ponder for free or a thought seize for free or a bolt for, like it's just it like the amount of value is absurd um i also played it someone played uh a team uh what's the asphatol deck against me yeah, yeah, I like that one. With Dreadhorde Arcanist, so turn one, yeah. uh, turn two suspends an Ancestral Vision and a Crashing Footfalls. Nice. Like, oh crap, <laughs> okay. And then the turn before they come off suspend plays with Dreadhorde Arcanist, and I'm just like, I just can't win this game anymore. Because they're going to draw three cards, make two four fours with Trample, and then they're going to attack me and make two four fours with Trample, and then they're going to attack me and refill their hand. Oh, it's just so absurd, I just couldn't be that deck. 
um but i think that, that that's the most powerful the best deck in the format but i can certainly beat it there's certainly a lot of decks that can beat it it's certainly not like say as dominant as the hogak decks have been in modern yeah absolutely it's a very beatable deck and you can just turn up with stuff like the list that i just put on i didn't put enchantress on there enchantress is a deck you can play and there's like seven yeah. seven different ways to build it i was looking through i was just looking through that list as well myself and like blue black death shadow isn't on the list <laughs> oh my god is it not no oh that looks really good again yeah, <laughs> it's actually it's a really good deck. Yeah, I know Shadow isn't on that list at all. Oh my god, that's so bad. I spent so long writing that list. Honestly, I spent like, a long time curating that list of things. That's unfortunate. Yeah, but Blue White Death Shadow. Like, there's a lot of things that you can just play. Like, Nick Fit. I mean, there's a hundred different ways to build Nick Fit. Whatever yeah. you want to do with that. It's just, there's so much you can do. And, as the, like, and it's not even just a case of... So I think another misconception people have about Legacy is like, you can do what you want as long as you're playing Brainstorm and Force of Will. Yeah. I was like, that's not remotely true. I think that may have been true for a certain amount of time, but I don't think that's that's true at all. There's no, there's no sort of set list of cards that you have to be playing in Legacy to be competitive, to be powerful. I think it's the thing, because I was trying to sort of categorize Legacy decks into categories. Yeah. And what I generally landed on was, like, blue decks... So your your traditional brainstorm, force of will decks, yeah, yeah, the chalice decks, and then wasteland decks, yeah, they're kind of like the I guess what are currently like the the three pillars of the format, really, right? Absolutely. But then you come along with Nick Fit, which plays none of those cards, <laughs> <laughs> and you just start like bullying people, um, and then you play Enchantress, which plays none of those cards, yeah, or you play Elves, which plays none of those cards. You can just legitimately be competitive whenever... Like, brewing is very difficult. I think you have to be, like, Andrea Mangucci level to be able to brew reasonable legacy decks. Yeah, definitely. Like, I, I'm very much a fan of innovating on, on current strategies. Yeah. So, like, my current build of Maverick is, like, something I've been, like, picking up from random people and putting together myself, which has been fun, but it's still generally, like, a Maverick list. Like, it's not just I've, I've picked some random cards and tried to smash them together and make them work in legacy. Then you have, like, the Painter deck... That plays that can play some number of wastelands, but generally, uh, and then just I don't think it plays Chalice because it's, it's one with one mana cards are so good. So it's not sort of cards you have to play, which is nice, and you can just turn up with whatever. And I'm sure you'll be able to find something that suits your sorts your playstyle, whether you want to play uh, aggro or mid range or control or combo or some kind of hybrid of, of 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 all of them or some of them or whatever. Yeah, absolutely agreed. And I think generally this is what people wanted or were pretending that modern was. Yeah. And I think, okay, it wouldn't be an episode of the Hour of Devastation podcast if I didn't make some kind of baseless hot take that's <laughs> sure to upset many people. But, like, I think there's there has been, at least with the previous sort of this, this BNR season of modern, I suppose, a misconception or a sort of hive mind lie about modern players that... So modern is... I understand why a lot of people play modern because they play modern because it's accessible, right? Yeah, it, it's it's an accessible, non-rotating format. That uh, yeah, there, I mean, there's plenty of reasons to play it, I guess. But yeah, yeah. that has competitive support, right? So you, like, there's often tournaments, there's often modern tournaments, there's often modern GPs, stuff like that. Yeah. So people play it, and that's that's certainly why I got into modern in the first place. And I think because, and I, hopefully this is going to change with Stoneford Mystic and with the banning of looting, but I think there was sort of this idea that okay i play modern because i can afford it and it's a format i don't have to keep complete tabs of like i do with standard yeah it's not as heavily rotating and i mean this specifically hasn't been true for a while but the kind of thing i can have a deck and then it'll generally be all right i can turn it to my modern fnm and probably do okay with this deck that i own i don't have to think about it too much maybe i'll change some sideboard slots or whatever and that hasn't been true for a while but i think there's this thing where like okay i can afford to play this format i can play this format i have access to this format so i'm going to play it because i play it that format is good yeah and i think there was that was sort of people lying to themselves for a long period of time you're like well it must be good because i play it i was like well no that's not the reason you play it you play it because you can and it's the unfortunately it's the only eternal format or non-rotating format that you have access to that isn't like commander and that's unfortunate and i think there is a there is a big problem with the price of legacy the accessibility to legacy and and vintage to to a certain extent as well <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean you know what like eight grand for a place at a workshops that's not much yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> yeah i can't afford that no no i could sell my flat <laughs> and own some missions workshops that seems kind of bad yeah oh yeah it seems horrendous <laughs> i mean to be fair with brexit 
<laughs> the price of the infrastructure is probably more stable than the price of my flat. Yeah, quite possibly. But yeah, I think that's the thing. Like they play this format, and they're like, I play this format every week, so it must be good. And like, it's kind of not. It depends. Like, I I don't want to. I was kind of BM to be like, the magic you're playing is bad, right? <laughs> like, but yeah. I'm not. It's it's not like there are people that enjoy that. There are people that enjoy the solitaire aspect of it and like the racing and. That's certainly what I enjoy about certain matchups with Infect, where it's like it's just a yeah. race and I win and I I drew my my like my ace before you did. But then again, with Infect, there's also a lot of grinding games. Where you have to think about things and make decisions and whatever. But there's people that enjoy that and that's fine. Like if you enjoy just racing to a finish and not having to interact with your opponent and being like GG, I drew my good card or you had the trump for my card. That's fine. Like I don't think that people people playing that kind of strategy who enjoy that kind of strategy are wrong. I just think that in terms of what the modern meta game has been up until this point, the ones that the the, the modern meta game that has existed for the longest period of time with the most increased player, like the, the biggest increase in player base in modern, has been objectively bad Magic. Yeah. In terms of what Magic is, in terms of what Magic has been in the past, like its identity as a card game. Watching people make 16 power on turn 2 and then attack you, like, or attack you with some Arclight Phoenixes or make a turn 3 card and the game's over, like, that's not good magic. That can be good gameplay in terms of what you personally want from Magic the Gathering, but in terms of what Magic the Gathering is, that was just crap. <laughs> like, it wasn't, it wasn't good, it wasn't Agreed. fun. It only, this is the thing, it wasn't fun for me. <laughs> and it's my podcast, so I'm gonna say what the hell I want. Uh, so I, I think the, I think the issues. Like, at least, like for me, like the, the thing that I've I've noticed the most, or at least like the biggest difference in some games of, of modern compared to some games of legacy, like when when you lose a game in modern, it it can it can just feel really bad sometimes. Like you can lose through like no fault of your own. Uh, like your opponent just did their thing faster. In legacy, when you lose, I feel like it rarely does it feel bad because it's either a really close game or through like luck or your opponent's sort of correct lines of play they, they've managed to find like the one out they had and then it was it was a really kind of like oh they have a have it or don't moment and yeah I, I feel like very 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 rarely or even if ever like i lose a game of legacy do i feel bad afterwards i mean the thing is like the feel bads and the not having a chance and your opponent just winning on turn one before you get a chance to do anything is yeah. certainly a feature of legacy but it felt like it was the entire yeah. identity of modern before this most recent change and that's why i like legacy because there's, st there's still space for that like if you want to do that and if you just want to like put your entire deck in your graveyard in one turn and then kill me or not kill me or whatever or you want to go off on turn one with ant or whatever if that's that's, that's a possibility but you also have to you can't always do that because your opponent might be playing force of it i might be playing days or might have a thought seize for turn one when you're on the draw like there's all there's all these things that are also if you can't just go for it in the same way that modern it didn't really matter if your opponent didn't present interaction didn't present some kind of graveyard hate or something like that then it just didn't matter you could just go for it and win and then there was no back and forth it didn't exemplify what magic has built its brand on what magic has built its reputation on it was just like i'll put this a with trampoline into play and two vengeance come back and then you're dead it is worth noting that the, there is a really good hogak deck in legacy <laughs> yeah <laughs> um there's the hogak depth deck which is just like a like bastardized version of the black green turbo depths plus hogak because yeah. Hogak's just a messed up magic card and there is just you can just play what was the modern uh, Hogak deck in Legacy with some dual lands, and it's still very, very powerful. And there's still space for all these things, and if you want to do these as a line. But then there's also the games where there's interaction, and the games take ages, and you get you have to think through constantly, and that's certainly the part of Magic I enjoy. Like, it's, it's just so diverse, that's the point. Like, it's the point I'm trying to make, I'm saying in a thousand different ways. You can do what you want. Yeah, absolutely. I think we've, we, again, like, the difference, like, with Legacy, like, diversity leads to... a a better player experience whereas modern diversity leads to you know just more cars on the on the nascar track i guess <laughs> you and your nascar i, I feel like I don't, I don't know why i always want to make racing analogies with, with modern but i feel like it's just the most appropriate thing to do i feel like you're not interested in cars in any kind of way no i'm really not so why is your go-to analogies compared to like nascar or formula one i don't know i really don't know I just I just found the whole kind of like I don't know like drag racing thing really sort of fits fits the I guess what it is nicely. Yeah, I think this was most exemplified where the first time you made that analogy, which I thought was, I think is a very good and clever analogy, is you're like if modern is a drag race. It was if modern is modern is a drag is a drag race and Splinter Twin is the pace car. <laughs> I mean that shows how little you know about cars. <laughs> it was like okay, if modern is NASCAR, right, then Twin was the pace car. That makes sense. But NASCAR's not as fast. Yeah, NASCAR isn't a drug race. But that 
but that makes sense. But drag races don't have pay. Your, your analogy was just in completely incorrect. Yeah. But also very apt and understandable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it seems weird that you always go to these like car analogies and like you don't care about cars in any kind of way. Nope. <laughs> I mean, can you compare magic formats to coffee? Why not? Why not? That was me asking you to. Can I? Oh, right. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah, I just think it's... I think there's a lot of people that are willing to try Legacy. There's a lot of people that want to play it, but they just can't. And I think that's completely understandable. I think there's also a small population of people that want to play Legacy, say they can't afford to, and then also have, like, $10,000 tied up in modern cards. Yeah. <laughs> so that's not... I mean, that's what, if that's what you want, that's fine. But if, you, if you're complaining about not being able to afford Legacy while also having a load of money tied up in something that you're not willing to part with, then it's kind of a you problem. Yeah, for sure. More than anything else. Yeah, I mean, it's a combination of, of that, that, and I think, oh yeah, I think, I think that's it. I think people just, just don't realize a lot of the time, like how much their stuff is worth, and also like they're, they're never gonna play like all of these. Like, it's so it's, it's something that I feel like I see fairly frequently. Like somebody will chime in on like a th- like a thread about legacy and saying like they can't afford jewels or whatever, and then go oh no i like i don't play legacy i play modern because i've got like like eight decks and it's like well how often do you play those eight decks like in tournaments like are you gonna go like a tournament like a, like a modern tournament eight weeks in a row and play a different deck every week like if if that is that is truly the case and sure yeah fine but i can't imagine that is the case for most people in that scenario man i feel like our entire podcast at this point maybe just my entire identity as a human being is just like me telling people they're enjoying things wrong <laughs> do you know what i mean no I, I don't know i don't i don't think i'm saying people are enjoying things wrong i just think that like people aren't aren't necessarily doing things in the most efficient way and i think that if if you have you know let's say you've got like five modern decks five you know like tiered like actual good modern decks competitive modern decks and you feel like legacy isn't a thing that you can get into even though you want to get into I, I think that's wrong. Like, I, think, I think you just kind of have to reevaluate your modern collection and say, well, which of these, which of these decks do I want to, you know, do I want to keep and hone and really sort of master? And which of these, you know, decks or cards can I play? Can I, like, can I already play in Legacy? Because there is a lot of crossover in a lot of the cards. And like, which of these cards have just been sitting in a box for months untouched that I can just sell and buy dual lands or whatever cards i'm missing for like a complete legacy deck i think the thing is i think the problem for me is when the the complaining comes into it in that specific example uh magic players love to complain oh yeah we love to complain like just specifically me and you love to complain but i think it's that's the problem with it when people like complaining oh i can't afford legacy i'm like okay well do you have lots of magic cards that are worth lots of money that are probably worth more than a legacy deck yes well why don't you sell them i don't want to well okay well then there's nothing we can do here yeah like, we're, we're, we're at an impasse and you have to make a choice yeah that's it it's like like i think a lot of the time people say oh they can't afford legacy when really like they they don't want to try it out which is absolutely fair and absolutely fine um but i think there is a big difference between like i don't want to do something and i can't do something sure i mean there's also a thing so i think one of the biggest things about Legacy, specifically in the UK, is just the scene just isn't supported. Because when you go to GPs or the Magic Fests and stuff and you see the Legacy side events, like, they're always populated by people. There's yeah, like, I, I played in two events. I played in two side events of Birmingham that were Legacy events that had over 100 people in. Yeah, it's amazing. But there's always, I think, I feel like every time I sit down across from someone at a GP and I'm like, oh, you're here to play Legacy, I'm like, yeah, I never get to play. I come to GPs to play Legacy. Yeah. So ask, that feels kind of bad, right? I mean, yeah. we're lucky like that we have like a reasonable Legacy community. Um, in Birmingham and Manalik have um Legacy every month. Like the last Friday of every month is a Legacy FNM, and there's always someone around. Just generally any day that the shops open to play some games of Legacy with or like talk Legacy and stuff like that. And it's a, it's a community we've fostered. <laughs> and I yeah. say a community we've fostered. It's just been like me and a couple of other people just shouting at people to buy Legacy decks. Yeah, I, I feel like that's that's kind of what you have to do. So, like in in Newcastle, I guess slash the northeast, there uh, there's there's one store in the north. Well, I guess two now. Yeah, there's two stores in the northeast that do regularly sort of legacy events. Uh, one of them does a, a monthly legacy, I believe, in in Darlington. That's just just started doing it fairly recently. And then the other one is um, Beanie Games in Stockton, I think it is, uh, which is 
is quite a way away from like I guess in Newcastle Sunderland area. Uh, but they do they do like a legacy F and M every Friday, I think, where like maybe they'll get eight players turn up each week. But those those stores are kind of like further away from where the, the majority of players are playing. And I feel like they're we do have quite a quite a decent handful of players of legacy players in the northeast, but most stores just don't want to support it for for whatever reason. So I feel like it is something that you do have to put the work in and sort of foster the the events, the the community yourself. But and that like once people play the format, there they verily have like they sort of stick to it and will go out their way to play it. Yeah, I mean, it's the only format I want to play. No, it's competitive format. Like obviously, I play commander pretty much whenever anyone wants to ask me to play commander but i think you know this it's 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 the only format i want to play maybe i want to play modern again now that the format seems to have slowed down somewhat yeah yeah it's accessibility to the format i think is part of the problem and it's just the thing like it, why would a store bother firing a legacy fnm where six people turn up when they can fire a standard fnm and get 22 people or get a, start fire a modern fnm and get enough people to make it monetarily worth it they can do both they, they can do both they can and they should but i feel like most most don't for whatever reason yeah i suppose that's true but yes i mean if you are interested in getting into legacy there are certain certainly options yeah absolutely there are certainly things because i guess the scariest cards when you, when you talk about legacy or what the concern a lot of people have in terms of like I can't afford to play this format is Jewel Lands yeah. which are very expensive and Force of Will which yeah. is very expensive <laughs> I mean to a far lesser extent these days but but Tabernacle was a thing back in the day as well oh, I remember when Tabernacle decks were a thing yeah <laughs> they were a thing back when Tabernacle was like £600 <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing I think like Lands has like fallen off purely because of the price of Tabernacle yeah quite possibly I think it's, it's, it's one of those decks that, that seems to show up more in more on Magic Online than in paper I think that is largely just just because of Tabernacle, the price of it. Yeah, like Lands is a really good deck. I think I think it's well positioned. I think it's one of the better red and six decks. I think it, I think it kind of fell off from being like one of the best decks for a little while. But I think with with red and six, I think it definitely becomes a lot better. And I, I think it is just purely due to the price of Tabernacle. Like you don't see it turn up so much. And I guess Mox Diamonds as well. Like yeah, yeah all the expensive absolutely. cards in that deck. I mean, I think you can dumpstorm the Delver decks. It's the yeah, it's the Jund of Legacy. Yeah, it really is. Like, it's just that no one's playing it. But yeah, like, I feel like it's really, like, well-positioned against Delver. It's well-positioned against Death and Taxes, which is just sort of, like, that sees a lot of play. Like, that was a general matchup, like, good matchup against most things. But it's just the price of Tabernacle um, that I think is stopping people building that deck. Yeah, just fair enough. Yeah, it's perfectly reasonable. If you wanted to get into Legacy but can't quite swing the money, which is perfectly reasonable, I saved for a long time and then just eventually just sold all the crap I wasn't using because I'd rather own reserve list cards that... Yeah always go up in price than like modern cars that they reprint and then tank in value and i feel bad <laughs> so do you have your list to, to hand of yeah so yeah i do i've got a list to hand currently of, of decks that i've i've been i guess i've, I've been listing of, of sort of competitive decks uh which i feel like are good sort of introduction points to the format that don't require a lot of effort to upgrade from a modern deck or also don't contain any reserveless cards um or, or i guess or like as as sort of budget friendly as as possible because it it is it's it's magic is is a luxury you know like it's it's, a, it's an expensive game at the end of the day and like these things aren't you, you can't get like a competitive modern deck for like 50 quid you can't get a competitive standard deck for like 50 quid so it's it's not going to happen in, in legacy but i have tried to keep things sort of as as cheap as possible see i like that this is the real content and people have had to like just suffer through 51 minutes of a <laughs> nonsense podcast to get to this point where there's actually useful information for you. Yeah, so I'm not going to go too deep into them now because I think I'm going to do some sort of article and audio accompaniment, I think, for, for them sort of individually to get a bit of a, a deeper look at them. But I, I think there are, are you some gonna really going to do like an audio book? Uh, I don't know about audio book, but... <laughs> An audio accompaniment, you write an article and then you just have a, like, a file somewhere of you reading it out. Yeah. You're performing it, a dramatic reading. like describing legacy decks sure Um, sign up to the patreon and then we'll do do dramatic readings what's what's, what's, what's that like the stretch goal for like joe just dramatic readings of (laughs) readings of deck lists lists for delver of secret like that's what i want (laughs) sound effects and everything yeah yeah absolutely i'll get a soundboard all of the sounds will be like kazoo noises (laughs) <laughs> or like fart noises but it'll sound really dramatic like Edgar Allan Poe reads magic cards yeah man this was just like sure. a joke I was going to make to break up the sort of any any potential monotony in the podcast but I'm, I'm into this now yeah <laughs> I think there's like... a niche in this market 
<laughs> Ren and Six are like air horns. Like, yeah, sure. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Four, Delbrough Secrets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the perfect, that's what people need. I think people need awesome. more air horns. Anyway, yeah, so the, the list of decks I've got that I, I'm going to gonna do something with, um, just to get people sort of, something to sort of take away from, to, to go and go and sort of look up and see what, they might be interested in we've got um death and taxes first of all yeah that's really affordable it's a deck that i recommend to people if they're looking to get into the format it's a deck i see a lot of people who are looking to get into the format just building by themselves anyway because especially with the most recent rashad and port reprint it's been a while now but rashad and port reprint the wasteland reprint the caracas reprint uh like eighth of us yeah. have got up recently because of this whole stoneforge thing but it's certainly a very affordable deck yeah absolutely i think it was it was one of those decks where they're like realistically there isn't that much difference or there hasn't been sort of that much difference between like you know death and taxes i hate bear strategies in in modern sort of upgrading them to legacy doesn't really take a, a lot of work and the play patterns in the decks are, are sort of very very similar i feel like it, it's something where you, you could you could just pick up like you could you could borrow like a full if you already play death and taxes or hate bears in in modern like you could borrow like a full legacy deck from somebody and you would know how to pilot that deck they don't like being called hate bears it's death and taxes well sure <laughs> i feel like you're ready for an argument it's like it's just pointless isn't it yeah no. <laughs> it, it's it's a deck that i hate and will never play so I'm, I'm not even gonna get into an argument with that one it's a deck that you hate and you can't bear to play it yeah, exactly oh that's exactly God. they're not even bears most of the creatures aren't even bears anymore <laughs> and they're white creatures they have no hate in their hearts sure <laughs> you know you said you were gonna like rock <laughs> tell, it. tell gonna... that to elish <laughs> yeah, yeah that's really true i mean she's very far from a bear joe yeah, I like who like. Hey, I'm just gonna rattle through this like list quickly, and then you know maybe do some more detail later. And I've just stalled you for three minutes on specifically death and taxes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! All right, what's what's your next one? Uh, next up, we have Manalus Dredge. Ugh. It yeah, exactly. It's it's. It's not a deck that I would ever play myself, uh, but it is. I think it's like definition of like budget in in a uh, in legacy, right? I think Manalus Dredge is the deck to start with if you don't have any money like yeah. you don't have any money but you don't have the expendable income to get into a new format because like obviously there's there's dredge which plays lion's eye diamonds uh, which yeah. is substantially more expensive but the manless dredge is like I, I, i'm gonna off the top of my head guess 60 pounds uh yeah quite quite possibly something um, like that at least but i mean this is the thing like i think my one problem with manless dredge in terms of an introduction to the format is that a lot of legacy decks because of force of will and because of days and wasteland and stuff like that you're rewarded for understanding the format having a, a knowledge of the metagame and a knowledge how to interact with other decks yeah and madeline stretch does not do that <laughs> madeline no. stretch has a, a plan that it wants to enact and hopes it doesn't get stopped so i think that's like if you want to just play if you want to like be able to attend legacy events then sure if you want to learn how to play legacy i'm not sure it's the best option no it i i, I don't think i don't think it, it's it's a deck that fits the like very i mean i guess is is same as true for modern as well really and on vintage like it's it's not really a deck that that plays with the rest of the format um but if you know if you're already playing dredge in modern or if dredge is is something that is, is it definitely has like interested you or you want a cheap competitive deck then i i think it's i think it's a perfect place to start like it consistently puts up five nil results on, on magic online leagues um if you want to play it on magic online it's about 56 ticks at the moment uh or in paper uh it seems to be around 160 dollars for a for a five nil magic online legacy list that's not bad uh, yeah, yeah not bad at all. If you've ever wanted to find a reason to play the card Phantasmagoria in a competitive format, yeah. this, is, this is the deck. If your Hogak Arisen Necropolis has just been banned from modern, you can play it in Legacy. You absolutely can. Yeah. Yeah, sweet, alright. Uh, so next up, I've got Burn slash Red Deck Wins. Mono Red mm. is always just going to be a thing. So you know how Death and Taxes is called Death and Taxes because of that whole, there are, uh, there are only like what there are three things true in life death taxes and white weenie I f- something like that yeah. i feel like it should be there are death taxes and burn <laughs> <laughs> just i feel like every format i play every event i play i play against burn at least once and get absolutely destroyed by it yeah burn is certainly very competitive i think a lot of people maybe look down on it or a lot of people don't want to play it because it seems like a noob deck yeah in terms of ninja- and it certainly is like it's it's a it's an affordable way to get to the format it's cheaper than the modern version um but it's very very powerful it steals a lot of wins you just keep piling on damage 
Um, yeah, between absolutely. Like pyrostatic pillar, sulfuric vortex, idol and the great revel, and then obviously bolts and stuff. Yeah, that's the thing. Like idol and the great revel is a, is an absolutely fantastic card in the format that wants to play a lot of like spells that cost three mana or less. Um, and then prize of progress. Yeah, which is one of my least favorite cards to play against, but like just one of my favorite cards. Like, I got blown out with it with F and M, where I just like. I kind of forgot that Blue Red Delver played it, and I was like, yeah. "I can play around this wasteland. I have Red and Six in play." <laughs> and he's like, "Price and progress you for 16? <laughs> I was like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> that's fine." Um, yeah, burn certainly, certainly a viable option. I'm a big fan. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that is surprisingly that that seems to be like a little bit more than uh, than Manalus Dredge on Magic Online. It's like uh, it seems to s- sort of start from 56 ticks, whereas like Dredge starts from about like 54 ticks. I think that's like. A lot of the cards in it are shared with Modern Burn, which pushes up the price, like Goblin Guides, Swiss Spears, and Eidolons. Yeah, like Goblin Guides aren't even in the list I'm looking at. It's Eidolons are the most expensive one in the list I'm currently like, looking really at. not playing Goblin Guides? No, no. Correct. No, you, you, you don't have to play Goblin Guides. Just four Swift Spear, four Eidolon, four Chain Lightning, four Lava Spike, four Lightning Bolt, four Flame Rift, four Price of Progress, one Skull Crack, one Sonic Burst, four Rift Bolt, four Fire Blast, three Sulfuric Vortex, and 19 Mountains. That's your, your quick run through the main board. Uh, yeah, if you want to pick up like that list in paper, it's like $89. Yeah, it's so cheap. And it's it's good. Like It's legitimately very good. Yeah, this the list I'm looking at put up... Uh, five put a five nil in the past past month I so think people yeah honestly okay. i think this is like this reputation of burn it's just like this kind of like little kid deck that you shouldn't play because it's it's not worth a lot of money and you should feel bad yeah but it's certainly not like i think it's a lot better than people give it credit for and you should definitely play it if if, if you're looking for an in, into the format it's certainly a great place to start yeah and it's agreed. actually agreed. playing magic i mean most of the time yeah. i don't call burn playing magic because it annoys the crap out of me but it's it's um it's definitely playing magic as opposed to something like manless stretch where you're just sort of not playing the same game as your opponent most of the time yeah definitely agree there so next up on my list is something which is it's a, a lot more expensive than the previous decks but it doesn't play any reserveless cards so all of of the cards in this list uh, can just be reprinted at some point. So we've got this is this is one that I actually played against it um, in Birmingham and got just destroyed by. It was very good. That's the, uh, the four color snow control. Now this isn't a cheap deck. It is not a cheap deck at all. Um, we're looking at stuff like uh, playing like three copies of Snapcaster Mage main board. It's playing Ren and Six main board. Jason Mindscopter main board. Uh, it's playing like a place that a Force of Will main board as well. So it's playing lots of expensive cards. Uh, however, the specifically the version that I played against at and Birmingham, which 3 0 that event at double up, uh, it didn't play any uh, dual lands at all, so it wasn't playing any reserveless cards. Uh, instead of dual lands, it was just playing snow covered basics. Uh, it, was, it was playing wastelands as well, uh, obviously, but it was just playing snow covered basics because uh, it plays four copies of Arkham's Astral Ape, so it, it had a, it had its colors available. Why this? So, this is clearly a very expensive deck still because it's playing Leovon, it's playing Red and Six, yeah. and it's, I mean, Leovon's not that expensive anymore, but you know what I mean. Um, yeah. But I think why this is so attractive to someone that's maybe trying to transition from modern into legacy is that these are probably cards you already own like you probably own your jaces yeah. and your and sixes if you're a committed modern player and the difference between yeah like you, you'll have your fetch lines you'll have your snapcaster majors Exa- exactly that's the thing you'll like a lot of these are modern staples so i think there'll be a big difference between like so having to buy wastelands and force of wills to get into a format which is certainly a lot of money but like a smaller price tag than having to like buy three underground season two volks and whatever like the price difference is so big so this isn't a budget option but it's certainly a cheaper way to go from modern to legacy than absolutely to yeah I, I don't think think this is a, a budget option at all but it is still a deck that doesn't have to play any reserveless cards which means all of these cards can be and will be reprinted at some point and you know legacy is an eternal format it's very popular despite what people on reddit might say uh, <laughs> it's not going away anytime soon so even if it does take you you know longer longer than it would a modern or standard deck to buy into or trade into then as long as you're not playing reserveless cards as long as you're, you know, if you're not playing a deck with, with reserveless cards like you can just pick up these cards like whenever you feel like they're at a good price for you i think you could say that after literally any statement despite what reddit might say yeah <laughs> you could say yeah. anything and just be followed by despite what reddit might say this is true yeah <laughs> i just like that a lot um yeah absolutely it's, it's a if you own your snapcast mages and your wrens and your jaces then buying fossil wheels and wastelands is probably more attractive to you than buying uh, a crap load of jaw lands yeah or a single underground sea exactly you can like the, the price is massively reduced and it's still certainly competitive and arkham's astrolabe is a messed up magic card yeah Yes, it is. Uh, next up, I, I, again, it's it's a deck that is not really a budget deck, um, but you can 
play it in a way where you don't have to play any reserveless cards. Uh, so we've got, just got Eldrazi or Eldrazi Stompy for this one. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So the I guess the the big one really or in in the the Eldrazi deck is that it tends to play uh, City of Traitors rather than City of Traitors you can play Crystal Vein which is a a card that a lot of the time just does the same thing as City of Traitors but is about ten pence it's not obviously not the most efficient way to play it but City of Traitors are like about one hundred and twenty to one hundred and fifty pounds each depending on where you get them from I think it's just it, it's a lot more affordable way to to play the deck and still still be competitive with it. Yeah, last thing I'd say, like, 90% of the time they're about the same card. Yeah. Because most of the time, City of Traitors adds two mana, then goes to the bin. And you can do that literally with Crystal of Vein. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and then the rest of the Eldrazi deck is just, like, it's kind of like... It's very similar to, like, the Eldrazi Winter modern deck. Yeah. But it's kind of similar to Eldrazi Tron. You just need some Ancient Tombs and some GTAs. Yeah, definitely. And it's about the same. And most of the most of the cards are modern legal. Obviously, like Iavugan, but that's kind of cheap now. Yeah. So, yeah, that's certainly an option if you're looking to move from modern into Legacy, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next up is a deck that can kind of pretty much just be ported straight up from modern is um, Blue Black Death Shadow. Apart from the Force of Wills and the Dazers and the Pundits. Yeah, apart from the Force yeah, of Wills. <laughs> but in terms sure, of like, sure. the but, expensive you know, cards a lot of those cards are fairly cheap, right? But yeah, Blue Black Death Shadow is certainly a great option. So, like, you need to buy Force of Wills and Wastelands. Yeah, Force of Wills, Wastelands. So you see most lists are running two copies of Underground Sea. Uh, I, I don't think that's essential at all. Like, uh, I think, like a lot of the time, a lot of the time, like the list you'll see, you'll be running two Underground Seas and three Watery Graves. Uh, you can just run like four Watery Graves and like another Fetch Land or like another, ba- like just a basic. Uh, most of the lists don't run any basics. I think just playing like Cutting the two underground seas for like one swamp of one island might even just be good enough. Yeah, that's the thing. I think that's reasonable, especially with like back to basics and blood moon are still certainly things in the format. Yeah. So my fan of just running basic lands, that seems perfectly fine. Yeah, and, and I think like when when like, you know, the, the, the top tier most competitive versions or the most efficient versions of the deck are only playing two reserveless cards anyway, like that's not much of a it's not gonna be much of an issue like not playing those two cards. It's certainly attainable. Yeah, and it, the the deck is very good. And again, like if you've played any sort of Death Shadow variant in modern, you'll be familiar with, with the play patterns of that deck. Absolutely. I mean, it plays very much like a Delver deck more than a, like the Death Shadow deck of modern, I think. Yeah, I, I w- would agree so. But it still has, you know, I guess as far as like using like your life as a resource, like that's if you're familiar with playing on that angle already, like you shouldn't have any problem transitioning that into playing the deck in legacy awesome so next up we've got a blue green infect i feel like this is more sort of your territory right so we're talking about this like you can you can afford to build this on a relative budget but i would want to play it with drops absolutely yeah i think my so my sort of reasoning behind sticking this on on the list was like infect wants to kill as fast as possible it wants to kill on turn two or you know turn three at the latest or whatever so like realistically like doesn't matter if you're playing breeding pools instead of tropical islands mm-hmm. again force of wills are a necessity but like i think it's the thing with legacy like if you're playing blue decks buy your set of force of wills you're sort of set yeah um you don't have to keep buying but you don't have to buy a set of force of wills again i think there's a fair warning on infects specifically is that it's kind of really crap right now. Because <laughs> all of your creatures have one toughness and lose very sorely to Ren and Six and Plague Engineer. This is true, but it still did manage to go 7-1 in the Legacy Challenge last week. Oh, hell yeah. I, I wish I I wish I had Legacy, in fact. I'm a big fan of the modern deck. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just as like invigorate berserk like i like that a lot and being able to cast brainstorm i'll cast brainstorm in modern effect let me cast brainstorm yeah i think that's that's like the thing the thing i find like when you look through like a lot of these lists are like once you once you remove the the reserveless cards which mostly does just seem to be dual lands like you know nine out of ten games like you're not really gonna see that matter right i don't know probably even less than nine out of ten games like you're not gonna see that matter at all um the price like once those cards are gone like the price becomes the same as if not like cheaper than, than some modern decks in some cases uh yeah that's very true it's very true and then so it's finally on my list uh, i've got mono red prison Ooh, can that be done on the cheap uh it can uh, relatively cheap i think is uh i think this seems like another one where it's just like the difference between the modern version of the deck and the legacy version of the deck are very slight yeah. And you can fudge it certain places where 
if you own those cards, you can just basically play them in Legacy with a few additions. Yeah. Um, so it's basically City of Traders, right? Yeah, again, City of Traders, play Crystal Veins instead of City of Traders is, is pretty much the thing. Um, yeah, so a, a decent... I mean, I guess like a fairly interesting one on a red list. Um, Five-nilled Legacy League uh, last week. Uh, it was, yeah, the only uh, reserveless card is playing is playing three copies of City of Traders. So you could just swap those out for three Crystal Veins. And the rest is just like Goblin Welder, Goblin Crater Maker, Goblin Engineer, Painter Servant, Imperial Recruiter, Sunder and Titan, Duretti, Khan, Great Crater, uh, Ensnaring Bridge, Echo Wellspring, Pirate Spellworm. So it's it's more of it's, this list that I'm looking at is more of like a like a painter list, really. But it has that Ensnaring Bridge, Khan, the Great Crater package in there as well. Isn't Painter Servant still incredibly expensive? Uh, fairly expensive. They're like probably about about twenty quid each. Mm, that's quite. But they were they were. They were a lot cheaper, sort of pre-EDH, whatever. But again, like it's not a reserveless card and can be reprinted at any point. I wouldn't be surprised if it was. Yeah, same. I mean, it could be an Eldraine. Seems like the kind of card that might be there. Quite possibly, yeah. Scarecrow. I could see Scarecrows um, on Eldraine. But I mean, that's the thing. It's, it's again, the other deck. You take your moderate Prison deck and you just, like, spend a reasonable amount of money as opposed to an extortionate amount of money and you can get there. Yeah. Um, and you you know you already know that you're going to enjoy the playstyle because it's a modern deck that you're in. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of those. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to write some articles, I think, on, on each one of those decks that are going to going a little, little bit more in-depth and providing sort of deck lists. So, so keep an eye out for those and probably going to do some sort of audio version of them as well where we take the deck apart and talk about like matchups and sideboard plans too. And do a dramatic reading of the deck list. Quite possibly, yeah. Don't say possibly, definitely. <laughs> I'm in control of this podcast now, Joe. <laughs> a scary thought. <laughs> yeah, it is, isn't it? Because I have absolutely no computer savvy whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> the amount of stupid questions I've asked you over the last, like, three hours. <laughs> it's just not reasonable. Sweet. So, uh, anything else you want to hit on Legacy? Uh, I think that's, that's pretty much me, I think, for, uh, for this week. Just other than, like, Legacy's great. Uh, I, I love the format. I would love to see more people play it. And I think there are there are a lot of misconceptions that hopefully we've we've attempted to, to clear up. And, yeah, like, just, just give it a go. Give it a go. Or at the very least, you found some of this entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I found as well that one of the main things is that Legacy players are often very willing to lend out their decks. Yeah. I very much want people to play the format. Like, if I had a spare deck, I would definitely lend it out, even though it's worth, like, a lot of money. I just want people, more people to play the format because I think it is the best format. I think it's the most enjoyable. And as we've said, we've said on many, many, many previous episodes that the Legacy community, in terms of the players, is just one of the best. Yeah, it uh, absolutely is. Like, hands down, uh, the Legacy community is fantastic. The people that play this format just absolutely love this format and, and generally will do whatever they can to, to help other people play the format as well. Like, I, I lend decks out, you know, anybody who wants to play it, I'll, I'll lend a deck out, I'll lend dual lands out, like, like whatever, you know. Yeah, I'm... Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm regularly lent dual lands by people who are just willing to let, let them out because they want people to play the, the decks to their full potential. Yeah. Which is really sweet. Yeah, there's a there's a guy in our shop who's just like he's built pretty much every deck you can in Legacy and owns like all the staples and just wants to lend people the decks, and I think that's amazing. Awesome. So it's pretty much all we have time for this week. Uh, if you want to get in touch with your thoughts on, on Legacy, is that something that you play currently or do you want to play? We're more than happy to answer any and all questions about the format. Hit us up on social media. Uh, on Twitter, we are at hrfdcast or facebook.com slash hrfdcast. Or you can come and get us on Patreon as well if you've enjoyed anything, uh, found anything sort of interesting or got any sort of entertainment from this and would like to give something back. It's patreon.com slash devastation, uh, where tiers start from as little as $1 per month. That's roughly 20 to 25 cents per episode. Uh, anything that we, we do get, we are super thankful for and it just goes straight back into this podcast. It does, yeah. I, I we, we really appreciate it if anyone wants to give anything, but we we just do this for fun. That's the only reason we do it. We enjoy it, and we bring we bring something to the table. So if you want to give us money for that, that that would be really nice of you. It would be, yeah, appreciated. I feel like you had a really succinct, good Patreon pitch there, and I just like ruined it. Good is a subjective word. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're like dunking on yourself now, not just me. That's fine. Oh yeah. <laughs> if you want to hit me up on my own personal social media, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Peach Garden Oaf. That's O with an F. Or Facebook.com. Uh, you can find me as, as Joe Loudon. I'm in any of the magic groups. Um, currently sharing my great experiences with uh, with 95 Magic. What a fantastic vendor they are. Uh, you're in pretty much every Facebook group. Boy, are you. Yeah. <laughs> every time I see some kind of ridiculous post, I'm like, oh, I should screenshot this and send it to Joe. Oh, right, he's already commented. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it says Sneal69. Nice. Thank you. It's S N E A L 69. 
N I C E. Oh my god, you can't do it. A second, I was like, I hope he leaves it. I hope he doesn't say it. Um, also, I'm trying to start streaming uh, at some point very, very soon. So if you'd like to follow me uh, at twitch.tv slash snail69. Nice. Thank you, because branding. <laughs> my partner walked into the room when I was setting up the stream on OBS and was just like, is that really your username? I was like, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> He's like, that's not very professional. I was like, I'm not a very professional person. <laughs> yeah, same same here as well. Like, it, like Streaming is, is something that I, I do do currently. I don't do as much as, as I probably should. Uh, I'm definitely going to start doing more of it. Um, I'm, I'm working out a schedule sort of within the next week of when I think I'll be the sort of most optimal time for myself to stream. But you can find all of that at twitch.tv slash peachgardenoath. Again, it's over, over for now. Um, I'm going to be streaming pretty much anything and everything magic related, like arena, vintage, cube. You'll find me on there. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to hope, hope to find some point over there. Oh, we didn't address this that we're recording early. Um, so we're yeah. recording on Mondays, and I'm away on holiday next week, so we can't record that on that Monday because I feel like it'd be rude to take time away from a family holiday to just be on my laptop recording a podcast. So we're recording this on on Saturday, the 31st of August. So if we've missed something that you would normally come to expect our every session to have a really hot take on, then we apologise. And I mean, to be fair, maybe I'll just record a little bit on that if it's something huge. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we do apologise on not touching on the uh, the emergency stone. Forge Mystic Banning and Modern that I'm sure you're all going <laughs> wild about now. <laughs> yeah, if we miss something, then you know, you know that we have opinions on it. We'll touch on it next week. Um, but yeah, that being said, I so this weekend I want to try and do a stream of like an omniscient draft on Arena. Nice. Once again, we are approaching the second hour. The God Pharaoh has returned, so we'll see you again next week on Arrow Devastation.